35 degrees this morning, I think, when I got up and left the home, which really, that's not bad when you grew up in the north, when the sun is out and there's no snow. That's not bad, but I understand for you southerners, you all are like, that is too cold to go outside. Wow. All right, you all ready for the Word of God this morning? Uh, next week, we have a Christmas production program for you called The Greatest Gift of All. And I want to minister on that subject uh, today called The Greatest Gift of All. So let's read our foundation text in John's chapter, uh, John's Gospel, chapter 3. And it's nothing that you all have never heard before. Uh, we're just going to look at it in a different light today. John chapter 3, and let's begin reading at verse 16. Usually we read verse 16 and we don't read the verses that come right after that. But there's so much uh, meat and food in the verses that come after that. I want to read them all today. John chapter 3 verse 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. And that word perish there is refer- referring to eternal punishment, but have everlasting zoe or everlasting life or the kind of life that God intended for us to live. And that's where I'm going today. I mean, you know, there's a life that God intends for us to live based off of the gift that he gave. How many of y'all believe that? And so many times we stop short and we only receive forgiveness and we only receive eternity, but there's so much more in that gift and in that package called Jesus Christ. In verse 17, he says, For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved or sozoed, which means delivered, protected, healed, caused to do well, and made whole. And so we know that in this salvation package, there's more than just eternity and there's more than just forgiveness. There's so much more than just the things that we kind of hang our hats on. Verse 18 says, he that believeth on him is not condemned. I don't know about you, but I thank God that I'm not condemned. I am loved. I'm not judged or condemned because I believe in Jesus Christ. It says, he that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he have not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation that light is coming to the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light. Neither cometh to the light, or neither cometh he to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. Are there any children of the light in this building today? Any people in here that are glad for the greatest gift of all, Jesus Christ? as our personal Lord and Savior. Can can we just set the tone this morning by just lifting our hands and thanking God for the greatest gift of all, His Son, Jesus Christ. Now, I tried my best last night in my prayer room to think of an illustration to kind of set up where we want to go today, and this was really the best one that I could think of. How many of y'all have received gifts for Christmas And and it looked like, you know, it was a small gift in a box, but really inside of it was something big. Anyone ever received something like that? But because of the size of it, when you saw it under the tree, you didn't pay much attention to it. And you looked at the bigger boxes to only find out in the big box was some little gift. Anyone in here ever had that experience? Well, I won't tell you who, but one time we gave a, a gift to someone that we love. And it was in a uh, small box, but inside of the box was a gift card. Now, we knew what they wanted for Christmas, and inside of the gift card was enough to not only pay for what they wanted for Christmas, but to get all the other stuff that goes along with that. But when they opened up the gift, all they saw was a gift card and not what they really wanted for Christmas. So we noticed that they opened that up, shoved that to the side, and went after the other gifts not even realizing everything that was in that box. 
And I think we treat salvation like that sometimes. We are kind of satisfied with forgiveness and eternal life, but not really walking in the fullness of everything that God put in that gift for us to have. And so we want to look at that today and talk about that a little bit today. We want to make sure that we unlock and discover all of the treasures that we possess as children of God. And how many of y'all know it's more than just being forgiven of our sins, and it's more than just going to heaven when we leave this earth? How many know we're supposed to have heaven right here on earth? Earth is really just a trial run for what heaven is supposed to be like, okay? So let's look at some things here. I wrote down some thoughts. You know, what is this gift? We know God said that He loved, so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. And so we know the gift itself is Jesus Christ. We know the source of the gift is the sovereign God of the universe. We know that He is God. The motivation for this gift. What do you all believe God's motivation was for this gift? It was love. No question about it because He loved us. Now, he loved us when we didn't love him. I mean, that right there is enough to just say thank you, God. While we were at our ugliest, he was at his best. Who are the recipients of his love? We are, right? I wrote down another thought here. The purpose of this gift, and these are just things as I'm studying. You don't have to write these down. These were just thoughts. The purpose was to save us from an eternity separated from God. And then I asked myself another question. What was the duration of this gift? It's for eternity, right? It's forever. So when I thought about that, I wrote down, this is actually the gift that just keeps on giving. And so literally, we can receive from this gift not just on December 25th, but we can receive from this gift 365 days a year. Healing, blessings, security, peace of mind. I don't know about you. if, If I just had peace and a good family, I'd be happy for the rest of my life. I don't really need a whole lot. But you give me my wife, my kids, and some peace. And I'm happy. Give us something to eat and a place to stay. And really, I'm happy. <laughs> Glory to God. Now, many people can quote John chapter 316, but very little understand how the message can actually transform their lives. Remaining ignorant about the deeper blessings of our salvation is like beautifully unwrapping a gift at Christmas and not fully understanding the value that was in that gift. I'll tell you more about that gift. That was an actual gift card, and the, because they didn't understand the value of it, they left it there. And so we let, we let time go by, and then we said, okay, they haven't asked about it. They're not looking for it. We can go spend this on ourselves now. Right? Because they undervalued what was in that card. Right? Because they had an image of what they wanted, not really realizing inside of that card was the resources to get not only what they wanted, but all the other stuff that went along with it. I wonder how many of us are just not getting everything that was really in our gift. So I wrote down 11 things. Now, I had to stop. You know, my wife came in there, kissed me on my head. She said, you know you got to get up in the morning, don't you? I just had to stop because, I mean, once you start studying Scripture, you just learn more and it unfolds and it opens up more and you just keep going. So I just had to stop at 11 and I'll get in as many as I can today, okay? And so let's look at what's included inside of our gift called salvation. Okay, number one, write this down. God himself. God himself. When the Father sent his Son to the earth, God came to dwell in human flesh. In Bible school, we call this the mystery of the incarnation or what's called the hypostatic union. This was Jesus who was fully God, lived a sinless life, Yet he was 100% human. So he was 100% man, but he was also 100% human. 
So he knew temptation and he experienced hunger and thirst, heat, fatigue, just like we do. He was tempted to sin, but the Scripture tells us he was yet without sin, but yet he was all God and he was all man while being on the earth, which is what makes Jesus the perfect Savior and mediator between God and man. And so inside of this gift is God himself. Turn with me to St. John chapter 1. And we'll just read a few verses for each one of our points today. St. John chapter 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning was the what? And the Word was with who? And the Word was what? All right. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Drop down to verse 14. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. So God was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, or we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And so inside of our package is God himself. Number two, inside of our gift is a Savior. And what's his name? Go with me to Luke's gospel, chapter 2. Luke, chapter 2. And let's read verse 11. Luke Chapter 2, verse 11. And it says, For unto you is born this day, somebody say, unto me. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a what? Savior, which is Christ the Lord. So obviously, mankind needed a Savior, mankind needed a Messiah to rescue us from hell but to also rescue us from our sins. Go with me very quickly to Romans chapter 3, I believe it is. I want to show you something. Verse 23. Romans chapter 3. Many people misquote this verse or they use this verse to justify their behavior. But I want to read it today. I don't know about you, but I was, man, I was on my way to hell on a rocket ship. I needed a Savior. Matter of fact, I would have went to hell first class. I would have set up in first class on the first flight. Anybody else in here know what I'm talking about? Man, I would have bust hell wide open. I needed a Savior. Anybody else in here needed a Savior? Man, when, you, when sin is just a part of what you do every day, how many know you need a Savior? When cussing is like English, you need a Savior. Come on, somebody, help me out in this building. Come on, when you're all the way wrong and knowing here you need to be right, you need a Savior. And I got so tired of being wrong, I said, you know what? I don't want to live the rest of my life like this. I thank God that hit me at 22 years of age. But I said, you know what? I'm tired. I was tired at 22. I said, I don't want to live like this anymore. And I acknowledged that I needed a Savior. Romans chapter 3, look at verse 23 here. And again, we know we don't start here, but for time's sake, I just want to show you something. Back up to verse 21. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Christ Jesus, unto all and upon all them that believe. For there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now, you ever notice whenever somebody is in sin or something or, you know, they're messing up, what is the first verse that they, they quote? Well, you know, the Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So, in other words, I'm no different than you. I'm a sinner and you're a sinner too. But we can all read, right? That's not what that verse said, is it? We can all read, right? That's not what that verse said. That verse did not say we are all sinners. It's not what that verse said. How did we get there from reading that verse? Come on, look at it. Don't look at me. Look at the verse. That's not what that verse said. You know how many times I have heard that over my saved life? Pastor, it doesn't take all of that. Joel, it doesn't take all of that. We all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. This is just my sin. I know you have yours. That's not what that verse says. Let's look at it again real slow, right? didn't say we're all sinners, did it? It said we all 
is past tense. Oh, Lord, y'all don't want to have church this morning. It's 8.30 in the morning. Have is what? So this is what people say. You can't be both of these. They will say, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Which one? Which one? You're either saved by grace or you're a sinner. Oh, Lord. But you're not a sinner saved by grace. You're either a sinner in need of salvation or you've been saved by grace. If you believe that, I believe I just made the devil mad as I don't know what in this building. Come on, if you believe that, somebody shout glory in this place today. Somebody shout hallelujah. Somebody shout Jesus is Lord. Drop down to chapter 6 or go over to chapter 6. I'm not a sinner, folks. You see, if you think like that, then you'll feel good about your sin. Instead of realizing that God gave you a Savior to deliver you from your sin. All right, look at Romans chapter 6. Are you there? Romans chapter 6, let's look at verse 23. Now, how many of y'all have ever heard that before? You've heard people say, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Be honest. If, raise your hand if you heard people say that. How many of y'all have ever heard people say, well, you know, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. How many of y'all have heard people say that? How many of y'all agreed with them? You went, yeah, that's right. Now, don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. Romans chapter 6, verse 23 here. Romans 6, 23 says, for the wages of sin is what? Now, if you're a sinner, there's the gift. See, churches won't be truthful anymore because they think giving will go down. Let me tell you something. I never did this for that. I've never, and it never will. That's the gift of being a sinner. Eternal separation from God. I knew you all wouldn't like this for Christmas time. But how I many you know we, we need to clean up before we get into the new year? Let's leave all, anything that's not like God, let's leave it in 2014. Whether it's our thinking, our actions, whatever it is, let's leave it in 2014 so we can walk free in 2015, okay? So notice what he says, the wages of sin is what? Oh, but the gift of God is eternal zoe through Jesus Christ our Lord. Come on, let's thank God for the gift of salvation today. Glory to God. Come on, we are not sinners saved by grace. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We are saved and on fire and living upright before God, and sin has no more dominion over us. There's no longer I can't help myself. You can help yourself by standing on the Word of God, getting over into prayer, letting the Spirit build you up. You can walk free from anything in your life that is not like God, and you have enough power on the inside of you to do it. The same power that raised up Jesus Christ from the dead lives on the inside of you, and it is a burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God. You can look sin right in the eye and tell it, no. No, you will not have any more dominion over my life in the name of Jesus and the power of God will rise up on the inside of you and you can walk free from anything. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Number three, we have pardon from sin or forgiveness from sins. Those who place their trust in Jesus receive mercy instead of punishment. I don't know about you. Since I've been saved, I have not been perfect. But I know you all have. Since I've been saved, I have needed some pardon. And I thank God that he always had enough mercy for me. And I didn't get what's called judgment. I didn't get what I deserved. I received mercy. First John chapter 2, verse 12, reads this way. 
while you all are turning there, go to 1 John chapter 1. Or chapter 2, I'm sorry. I'm going to read verse 12. Are you there? It says, I write unto you little children because your sins are forgiven. That's past tense. For his name's sake. Well, when were, was our sins forgiven? Over 2,000 years ago. The Bible tells us that he nailed them to the cross. Now, this is where, you know, grace teaches that you no longer have to ask for forgiveness. I'm still working with that. I'm still studying that. Uh, I personally, I'll tell you what I personally do. I don't have a sin consciousness. I don't have that, that at all. So I don't every day say, Lord, forgive me for my sins. I don't do that. But I can tell you there are times in my life when I know that was wrong. And I acknowledge that before the Father. And this is how I say that. I say, Father, I acknowledge that what I did was wrong. I thank you that you've already forgiven me from it. And I thank you that your grace teaches me to deny ungodliness, to deny anything that is not like you. And I receive greater measure and greater portions of your grace to walk free from this in my life. And that's kind of how I process that. I acknowledge that he's already forgiven me, but I also acknowledge that 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 was wrong. You all see that? Then I thank him that I'm already forgiven. And I remind him that your grace teaches me that that conduct is not proper in your sight. And so, Father, I thank you for greater grace to walk free. Hallelujah. 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 Anybody in here glad you didn't get judgment? How many of y'all have done some things since you've been saved? How many of y'all have done a few things since you've been saved? How many of y'all have done multiple things since you've been saved? How many of y'all just said, Lord, thank you for your mercy. Thank (laughs) Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your goodness. Come on, somebody. Number four, number four, we have access to the Father. Go with me to Hebrews chapter four. We have access to the Father. Now, I don't know about you all, but, you know, a lot of us, you know, we thank God for access that we have into different areas of life. About three weeks ago, I was the chaplain for the Arizona Cardinals when they Uh, played the Atlanta Falcons. I guess I didn't give them a good enough word because the Falcons beat them on that day. I didn't pray long enough to hear from God to give them a good enough word. But but how many know that's a blessing to have access into that world? And to be able to speak to professional athletes and the coach and the administration and got a chance to meet the owner. I mean, all of those things are a blessing. All right? And those are access points that God gives you in life but I want you to know, even if the president called and said, send Joel Gregory down here, it would mean nothing to me in comparison that I can go right into the throne room tonight and talk to God himself about anything that's going on in my life. You know, over the course of my pastorage, people have been upset with me because they couldn't get me. They couldn't reach me. And, and you know, now with Facebook, which I got to pray about this in 2015, most people say, oh, I can inbox him on Facebook. And so I get flooded with inbox things because it means something to people to say I have access to such and such. Let me tell you something. Listen to me, man. I'm running to him before I run to anybody else. You're in Hebrews chapter 4, and you should learn that lesson there. Thank God for the people you have access to. But, man, to have access to God himself, oh, my God. Hebrews chapter 4, look at verse 16. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Every time I read this, it blows me away. Hebrews chapter 4 Verse 16, let us therefore come boldly unto the what? Throne of grace. Why? That we may obtain what? Mercy, not judgment, mercy, and find grace to help when? 
in our time of need. So when we have needs, we have access to the God of the universe who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. All the silver, all the gold belongs to God. All the wisdom belongs to God. And we have access to him 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But how many of us take advantage of that? And he said we can come Whenever we have a need, I mean, I might not respond to you at two o'clock in the morning. I might not get back to you for a couple of days, but God will be there when you need him. Come on, somebody. He will show up and bless you and help you and deliver you and get you wherever it is you need to be if you know that you have access to it. He said, whenever you have a need, you can come boldly to my house. You can walk up there with confidence, all outspokenness and frankness. Tell me what it is that you need. I won't judge you based off it. I'll release mercy into your life. I'll release grace into your life, and I'll help you in your time of need. I don't know about you, but it's been God. When I look back over the course of my life, it's been God that has helped me every time in my time of need. Now, he might have used people, but ultimately it was God who touched the heart of the people who ended up blessing my life. We just had our board meeting on yesterday, and when you're sitting there looking at reports and going over reports month after month after month, and you're looking at the grace of God month after month after month, knowing that this time last year, what's today's date? December the 14th. On December the 14th last year, we hadn't even secured a building yet. I was still going to the throne of grace. I was still, God, I need you in this time of need. And let me tell you something. He put it on a young fella's heart to pray at 3 a.m. in the morning, get up in the morning, call two churches over here on this side of town and say, Pastor, I got two buildings for you to go look at. Let me tell you something. God used that man, but it was ultimately God that did that for me. And if we would tap into more of that, you'll get more blessings, more victory in your life. You'll look back and look at all that God has done for you because you went straight to the real source that could ultimately help you. Glory to God. It's a blessing to have access to God. You might not have access to the president, but you have access to God. You might not have access to your favorite athlete, but you have access to God, which is higher than all of that. Glory to God. Number five. You have a personal relationship with God. Now, many of you all know, I love, listen to me. Listen to me. I have absolutely the best wife on the planet. I love second best. He said second best wife. He said second best. For me, listen to me. I'm not telling you this. Man, this is a special woman. Seriously, I would go this far to say she may not be a real person. (laughs) She may be an angel on assignment by God to help me because that's how well she does it. Seriously. And, And listen to me. And I value my relationship with her. She was a blessing this morning. She woke up, gave me a big kiss. She said, baby, it's been eight weeks since you've been on that stage without me. Are you going to be okay? (laughs) I told her, I think I can manage without you just this one day. But my point is, she is always so concerned about me. And that's a blessing. I don't give her enough credit publicly. She's behind the scenes setting things up administratively, policies, procedures, you all don't really realize how hard this woman works. And we never suffer, we being me and the kids. She's a blessing. She's a blessing. And and listen to me, and I value my relationship with her. But this is getting ready to shock you. It's nothing in comparison to my relationship with God. John chapter 10, number five, we have a personal relationship with God. You know, you'll get around people and they'll start the name drop. I know such and such. 
I know such and such. Such and such was over my life. They like to take pictures with such and such and such and such and post pictures. Let me tell you something at the end of the day. Let me tell you who I know. I know God. Don't get much bigger than that right there. You understand? I know God. Come on, you ought to be able to confidently say, I know God. Watch this. And I can get to him whenever I want to. Come on, somebody. I I need three people to get excited about the greatest gift of all time. Everybody always talking about who I know, who I met, where I've been, who I took a picture with. Forget all of that. I know God Almighty, the creator of the universe. Glory to God. Not only do I know him, he stays at my house. Come on, y'all ain't ready for this today. Come on, you're not ready for this today. John chapter 10. Look at John chapter 10. Are you there? I have a personal relationship with God. Look at verse 27. John chapter 10. I could back up, but let me save time. John chapter 10. Are you there? Look what he says here in verse 27. My sheep hear my voice. What did he say? And I know them. And they what? You know, when I call to heaven, they say Joel's on the phone. And you know what God says? Stop everything else. Give me the phone. Let me see what Joel needs to talk to me about. I'm going to show you that in the Word of God in a minute. Let's keep going here. Look at verse 28. But ye believe not. No, verse 28, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall what? Never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Oh, man. You understand, if God can't keep you, you can't be kept, man. Thank God for guns and alarm systems, but that's not what's keeping you. Did you hear what he just said? Can't no man pluck them out of my hand? I heard Miles Monroe say something. I want to be careful and sensitive about this powerful statement, but I believe it. He said, you can't die before your time, which means till you fulfill your purpose. He said this now. He said, if you die before your time, before you fulfilled your purpose, you got killed. I must have watched that clip. I don't know, Rick, 50 times as a pastor because I was trying to understand. You all understand what he said there? You can, you can. I'll leave that alone. What I'm telling you is, can't no man pluck you out of God's hand. A lot of times the enemy will try to use stuff like that to produce fear. We're going to use the word of God to produce faith. Say, no hurt, no harm harm. will come near my dwelling. dwelling. Say, my life life and my possessions possessions are covered by the blood. blood. I draw a bloodline around my home, my car, my family, my job, my finances, everything that concerns me. And Satan... I serve you notice. You cannot cross that line. You are a defeated foe in Jesus' name. Now, somebody need to lift up a shout in this place. Come on, somebody need to lift up a shout in this place. He does not have a free shot at someone who has a personal relationship with God. God said, I know them. And they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. 
He said, I and my Father are one. So if you have a relationship with Jesus, then you have a relationship with the Father. And there's no greater relationship on this earth than you could have than with the Father God Almighty. You might be single during this Christmas and New Year's season, but you are not alone. If you have God, God said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. God said, if the Lord, the word says, if the Lord is on your side, then there's nothing man can do unto you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. If God is with you, you are never alone. And if you value that relationship as the greatest relationship in your life, then every other one that comes along won't take you too high and it won't take you too low because the constant will always be the same in your life, and that is God Almighty. And God Almighty is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He said, I am the Lord thy God, and I change not. Stick with God. Work on that relationship. Build that relationship because it is the greatest relationship that you will ever experience on this earth. I love my wife. I love my children, but in comparison to my relationship, relationship with God, those relationships pale glory to God. And I've learned that I can only have a great relationship with them as a result of having a great relationship with Him. Let me tell you, if there's nothing under my tree this year, I have everything that I need. Number six, we have the Holy Spirit. While we're in John, go with me to chapter 14. So many people are looking for direction in life. Let me tell you, if you have the Holy Spirit, man, you have the greatest GPS ever known to man. It's amazing how we trust our GPS systems more than we do the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is the same way. If you get off course, just listen to the voice. Rerouting, rerouting. God's not getting ready to punish you. He's just getting ready to update you, reroute you to get get you back where you need to be. Come on, somebody. Find yourself going down the wrong road. Don't worry. You have left the planned course. The Holy Spirit will speak up in your spirit. You have left the planned course, rerouting, and will get you right back on the path that you're supposed to be on so that you can get to your desired destination. Come on, somebody. We are not by ourselves. If man can create a GPS system to get you anywhere you need to get in the world and the Holy Spirit is the one that gave man the wisdom to create the GPS system and he lives on the inside of you, come on, you can get to the best job. You can get to the best relationship. Come on, you can get wherever you need to go in life because of the Holy Spirit leading and guiding you. Look at St. John chapter 14. Let's pick up at verse 16. Anyone getting anything out of this today? Am I the only one happy about what I'm hearing today? John chapter 14, verse 16. Look at what he says. Well, look at verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you what? Another comforter, that he may abide with you how long? Even the spirit of truth. Now, a lot of people use this verse to teach the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And and that's a stretch. Okay, let me show you why. Okay, this is for all Bible students in here. Let me show you why. He's not talking about the Holy Spirit upon here. He's talking about the Holy Spirit within. All right, now I'll prove it to you, right? You already said, oh, I got your attention. Now she turned. She wasn't even opening up her Bible until I did that. I want to see this right here. Whatever works, amen. John chapter 14, are you there? I'll prove this to you, okay? Watch this. Number one, he said, I'll give you another comforter which means he was the Holy Spirit while he was on the earth. So to give you another something, you know, that means one and the same. You know, I can't say I'm going to give you another dollar unless I've already given you a dollar. Right? So what he's saying is the, the comforter is going to be just like me. Right? All right, let's keep reading here. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. So now we know we're talking about is something that's what? Received. All right? Why? Because it... Seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him, watch this, for he dwelleth with you and shall be what? And shall be what? And shall be what? And shall be what? So the Holy Spirit we're talking about here is the Holy Spirit that you receive at salvation. 
Now, how many of you know his job is to lead and guide you into all truth? All right. Now, how many of y'all have questions about, you ever ask, should I be in this relationship? He already led you to truth. If you've got to ask that question right there, you already know the answer today. He already told you. And if you just listen to yourself, the wisdom is already speaking from your spirit. We were getting ready to, to uh, um, do a situation, a building, I think in, what was that? What's this? December? And so we put in a cash situation on it. And they did what they did and sent something back. And, and we were like, it is a great situation for us. But our core values of this church tell us to do everything debt free. And so, you know, I started justifying. Well, we're paying rent already. And so if you look at the rent versus the mortgage and this land, over time we'll end up owning that, spending the same. And see, when you start breaking your, your core values, then how many know it kind of spreads over in other areas? Yes. Yes. Amen. That's true. Instead of exercising a little bit more patience, right? Save a little bit more and then go right back at the same situation. Or with the spirit of, if it's not that, then God's got something better for us. Amen. Amen. Now, I would have never even did that if I just listened. Now, I never submitted the offer because I went back and prayed a little more. Hmm? We're going to do it the way we said we're going to do it. With no banks for our whole life. We may be the first church in the United States of America that started debt-free and stayed debt-free its ex- entire existence. That wasn't faith talking, was it? See, I got a faith woman here on the first row. She just corrected me. We will be the first church that started debt-free and will stay debt-free all of our existence. And let me tell you what happens. When you attend a church that operates like that, whatever is on the head. Y'all ain't ready for that. Flows right down to the body. Church pay cash for everything. The members start paying cash for everything. Come on, say I have the Holy Spirit in me. And he leads and guides me into all truth. Somebody thank God for that gift right there. Come on, thank God for that present right there. Come on, thank God for that present right there. I'm going to do two more, and then I'm going to close, okay? I've got 11, but I think you all get the message, don't you? I heard somebody say, oh, you all want to stay a little longer today? Okay, he is, no, I can't run you over, but he is a good shepherd. What else is in that gift? He is a good shepherd. Not a bad shepherd. He is a what? He's a good shepherd, all right? Shepherds love and care for the sheep unconditionally and compassionately. Go back to John chapter 10. We get a good shepherd. Yes, he is. Where'd I tell you to turn? What verse? I'm just seeing if you're paying attention out there. John chapter 10, verse 11. Okay, we're talking about the good shepherd. Notice what he called himself. He said, I am the what? And the good shepherd does what? Giveth his life for the sheep. Verse 14. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep, and am known of mine. Notice he describes himself as a good shepherd. Now, when I think about a good shepherd, I think about David's description of a good shepherd found in Psalms number 23. Would you all go there with me very quickly? Psalms number 23. And I'm only going to read one verse, but I had to look up this one word again in the Hebrew, and it's just really going to bless you. How many of y'all glad you have a good shepherd? A good shepherd's job is to provide 
to protect, to comfort, to take care of the sheep. That is his job description is to look out for the sheep. And if you understand that, then you know God never sleeps, he never slumbers, and he's always trying to look out for you through Jesus Christ. Psalms uh, number 23, stanza one says, the Lord is my... See, you need to personalize that. Thank God he is the shepherd of the pastor, but he's also your shepherd. You need to personalize that, and you need to know that. It blessed me so good last week. One of our members got fired, and I shouted. I know you all, like, shouted because they got fired. Well, she inboxed me. She inboxed me. And she said, now, this is normal, folks. Again, if you're young, just live a little longer. You'll understand what I'm talking about. Corporations do this every year at the end of the year, just like we're doing. Corporations do this every year. So you look at where you need to add, where you need to cut. This happens every year. And so this person writes me, inboxes me, and I've been here for all these years. I'm a senior this, blah, 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 you know, great performer, all of this. And I walked into work with no warning, no nothing, and they let me go. Now, how many of you know, in that moment, you better know the Lord is your shepherd. Or you getting ready to start cussing, tearing up some stuff. Come on, don't leave me out here by myself. You know, some people go home, get something, and come back. Am I right or wrong? But this is normal. And, and listen to this. Now, the boss has that prerogative. So let me tell you what they're doing, it's just to help you understand this. They're basically saying, for what we pay this person to do this job, we can hire somebody right out of college to do the same job for half the money. And we say the corporation money, Right? We let them go, and such is life. This is what that person said. And Pastor Gregory, as soon as I read the letter, because it was just on my desk, no warning, no nothing, then I was called into a meeting, right? right? As soon as I did that, I saw your face. And she said, I remember that if God could do that for Pastor Gregory... And she said she just started shouting right there on the dime. I mean, oh, you better know the Lord is. Then that night, I was sharing this on Thursday night, somebody slipped something in my pocket, said, reach out to them, send them this. So there are already opportunities opening up. Then this prophetic word came out of me. You ready for it? It was prophetic too. You ready? Do you remember what it was? <laughs> I just know it was prophetic. Do you remember what it was? It was sometimes rejection can be God's protection that leads to redirection. Come on, y'all you, 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 not ready in here. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Come on, you would have never got redirected in a new direction if they wouldn't have fired you and let you go. Glory to God. And in those moments, you must know that the Lord is your shepherd. Notice what David said. He said, and I, 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 I shall not want. Because the Lord is my shepherd. That word want there means I will not decrease and I will not lack. And so if you know the Lord is your shepherd, they can fire you all they want to because you will not decrease and you will not lack. It will set you up for something better in the future, more money, more opportunities, more grace. Maybe you'll start a business of your own. Glory to God. If you understand that the Lord is your shepherd. David had a revelation. He said, I will not decrease and I will not lack. Listen to me. We didn't lose one penny. Matter of fact, double for our trouble. Amen. 
So much so. Now, I have not bought myself a new car in 17 years. Not because I can't, couldn't. I could have the whole time. <laughs> the way I'm wired is I sacrifice for my family. And I lead by example because I'm also raising a boy to be a man. So I want him to see these things. Plus, I know it blesses my wife to know that anything that comes into the house, she's going to get first dibs on that. And then the kids. So she's always driven the best cars. I really haven't cared much about those. But then I thought about it. It's been 17 years. Man, listen to me. I didn't just buy one. I ordered one. <laughs> no, no, that's a little different. My first time doing that. And he said, well, we don't, we don't, this is not a production color. So, okay, so what we need to do here? And it's going to take eight to ten weeks. We're going to have to order that. So I want this interior right here. That's not a production color. So I'm going to order this one. I go pick it up on Monday. <laughs> Time, 17 years. Now listen to me. Nothing flashy because I'm a conservative. You see my suits? I'm a conservative. Okay? So nothing flashy. Real moderate, modest vehicle. But it's just something I liked. Amen. You know what I'm saying? Nothing more expensive than any other car you've ever seen me drive. But I went out and bought my first new one. Seventeen years. When I pull up on the lot, I probably won't pull up on the lot till like the twenty-first. But when I pull up, I'm pulling up like this. Come on, somebody! When you know the Lord is your shepherd, you will not want for anything. You understand? I'm done for the day. I think you all got enough out of this. Did you all get enough out of this today? And there, what did I get through? Seven of them? Four more of them. It's just all in that gift. Maybe I'll get them all in at the 11 o'clock service. Listen to SoundCloud so you can get it all. But God is good. God is good. God is good. Is this the greatest gift of all time or what? I'll tell you what the other ones were. Why don't I just tell you so you can write them down? You all like that? Yes. Let me just tell them to you, okay? You'd already closed your notes? Okay, all right. <laughs> Number eight, he is an intercessor. Write down Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25, which means every time you pray, he's praying for you. He's taking your prayers and presenting them to the Father and saying, Father, if you won't do it for them, do it for me. Oh, I could have worked with that one a little bit today. Come on. You, you know when you need somebody to hook you up? You, you, don't, you don't have the ability to go get that on your own, but you know somebody who does. And you go to them and you say, can you get me to hook up? That's what prayer is like. When you pray, you're going to the man that has the hookup, and then he takes that prayer, presents it to the Father, and the Father says, you know what? Tim is not worthy in and of himself, but because of the blood that I shed for Tim, if you won't do it for Tim, do it for me. And then the Father looks at that blood and says, take care of Tim. Man, I'm telling you, I, I could have stayed here all day. Can you all tell I love what I do? Can you all tell I love what I do? What number was that? Number nine. We get a friend in Jesus Christ. Go with me to John chapter 13, or don't go, but John chapter 15, verses 12 through 14. It says, no greater love than this, than a man would lay down his life for his friend. Then he says, you are my friends indeed. Number 10, we get a resurrected body. Write down 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51 and 52, and then write down 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. 
1 John chapter 3, verse 2 says that when we see him, we'll see him as he is and we'll be just like him. So most scholars, Greg, they believe that Jesus died at 33. And so what will happen to us, regardless of our age, is that our bodies, say if you die at 80, then our bodies will physically turn back to what we looked like at 33. Now, I'm just blessed. I'm 47. I still look like I'm 23. So I don't know what, I know, I don't know what God's going to do with me in that situation because I, I plan on staying like this my whole life. So do I go up or what does he do with me in that situation? I'm only kidding. But most people, most people believe there that we will pretty much remain in that state. And if you think about when Jesus returned after his resurrection, they recognized him. They knew who he was. Only thing that was missing was the blood that was in his body. But they could touch him. They could physically identify who he was. He also ate food. You might remember in John chapter 20, right, when Peter and them had gone back fishing and he went and ministered to them. Scripture says, and and Jesus cooked too. That's my verse for me to get my life together with my family (laughs) is to learn how to cook. But the Scripture says he was on the shore preparing fish, right? And then he served them. So he ate food. So you can pretty much see we're going to live life forever looking good. So listen, ladies, don't spend a whole lot of time trying to stay young. Just spend a whole lot of time trying to stay right. Because he's going to return you back to your young state forever. So you'll get your swag back. Don't worry. (laughs) Ladies ought to say amen because makeup is a billion-dollar industry now. All right? And so look good, but don't waste your life trying to stay. Look look age-appropriate. You ever seen people, and you're like, you, so at some point, male and female, you just got to let it go. <laughs> you know, it'd be no different than me walking around like Bozo, letting all of this grow out on the side, trying to hang on to something. No, man. Once that left, it's all got to go at that point. Do you all understand? I can't be walking around here. I always tease my kids. I tell them, Rick, I, when I get 50, I tell them, I'm going to let this part grow out, and then I'm going to straighten it out and just... And just wrap it on them. <laughs> I mean, I look age appropriate. <laughs> Life happens to everyone, right? Amen. What number did we leave off on? And number 11, we get an eternal home. John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. Right? He said, I'm going to do what? Prepare a place for you. So that where I am, there you may be also, in my Father's house. One house, many mansions. Don't worry about what you get on earth. Just live comfortable on earth because the best is out in front of you. Let's lift our hands. Thank the Father for what we heard today. Good stuff. Good stuff. Man, good stuff. Just minister to my heart today. The greatest gift of all is Jesus Christ. So many benefits in that one gift. Let's make sure we walk in all of them before we leave planet Earth. Let's all stand on our feet. Just lift our hands to the Father. I wrote down something here, and I want to make sure I read it. And this is for someone in this room. So I want everyone to just look up here at me for a moment. Jesus is the Father's amazing gift to the world. Do you all believe that? There's no question about it. Listen to this. Don't be a Christian who fails to explore and experience all the benefits of being God's child. Don't be a Christian that does that. Don't just exist, but walk in everything that God has provided for you. Okay? I want to say something to another group of people. If you have never received salvation, don't wait any longer to do so. Then you can begin to enjoy the greatest gift of all time, which is your salvation. Remember what our opening text said, which I believe was extremely powerful. He explained to us why people would not receive this gift. And he explained this so clearly in John chapter 3. He said, for God sent his son into the world, verse 17, 
not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Then he said, he that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed on the name of the Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light is coming to the world, and men love darkness more than light, because their deeds were evil. So he explained why people would not receive the gift, and he explained what holds them back is their deeds or their actions. So I'm submitting to you a proposal today. Next week we'll have our Christmas production, and then we'll all celebrate Christmas season. Let me tell you, it's nothing to celebrate, not really, without really knowing Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. So now while every head is bowed and every eye is closed in prayer, I just want you to...